Well, um, let's get right into the Word. We're continuing through our series on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please turn to our passage for today. It is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. I'll be reading from the ESV, and uh, the words will also go up on the screen for us. May God bless the reading of his holy and inerrant word. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. Amen. In our passage today, we have one of the most beautiful accounts of healing in all of scripture. Because here in Mark chapter one, we see not only Jesus's power to heal, we also see Jesus's compassion, his heart to heal us. Now in our culture, we often equate compassion with sympathy or compassion with empathy. But the original meaning of compassion is actually much deeper than that. You see, for us, sympathy is a feeling of sorrow in light of somebody else's misfortune. So when someone loses a loved one, we often extend sentiments of sympathy. Empathy, though, is is one step greater. It's the ability to relate to and understand the other person's feelings, the other person's pain, because you yourself has experienced that. So when we share a similar pain, share a similar experience, then we can say we empathize with that person, we can. And when somebody empathizes with us, that is very powerful. That's very powerful. But biblical compassion means so much more. It's more than sympathy, more than empathy. You see, the root word for compassion is passion. That's kind of obvious. And we often use the word passion to express zeal and enthusiasm. So people are passionate about sports. Today, there's a football game going on. I'm sure all the Philadelphia fans will be singing, fly, Eagles fly, until the Patriots beat them. And then, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, People are passionate about music. They're passionate about food, fashion, all these different hobbies, right? But the original meaning of passion is not just enthusiasm and zeal. It's suffering. It's suffering. That word passion was associated with people who were martyred for causes, martyred for the faith. That's why that movie that came out over a decade ago about Jesus Christ and his suffering and his journey to the cross and his death, it was called the Passion of Christ. It was the suffering of Jesus Christ. So originally, to have passion was to have so much zeal, so much fervency, so much commitment to something that you were willing to die for it that you are willing to suffer for it. Suddenly makes us kind of recheck our passions. Hey, I love golf. I'm passionate about golf, but I don't want to die for golf. Looks like we have watered down that word in our culture today. 
But this is where the word compassion comes from, this idea of suffering. And so compassion means to suffer with, to suffer alongside somebody who is hurting, who is in destitution. And in our passage today, we have a man who is suffering deeply. He is suffering from leprosy and he comes to Jesus and he falls on his knees and he cries out, if you will, you can make me clean. In Luke's accounts, we have the story of this man as a leper. His body was covered with leprosy. Luke makes sure that we know that this wasn't kind of just like some, um, you know, light rash that people considered uh, leprosy. It was a deep covering, an entire covering of his body with leprosy. Luke makes that clear to us. This man has heard about Jesus, that there's this miraculous healer going throughout Galilee and Capernaum, and he is casting out demons, and he's healing the sick. And so this leper, he seeks Jesus out, and he's hoping for a miracle. He's desperate for healing. Let's look first at the leper's cry. Now, you and I, we're probably unfamiliar with the disease of leprosy. We've probably never met anyone with leprosy. In modern medicine, it's also known as Hansen's disease. And with the right treatments for us today, it is highly curable. Leprosy is not something that plagues our culture, plagues our people. It is highly curable. But in the ancient world, it was a widespread disease. It was highly contagious and impossible to cure. Leprosy is a bacterial disease that affects the skin and the nerves in the human body. If you caught it, your skin would turn white as snow. If you caught it, you would lose all physical sensation because your body's nerves were destroyed. Rats could be chewing on your fingers and your toes and you wouldn't even know it. That's why back in the day, doctors would actually recommend that people with leprosy should keep cats in their household because the cats would keep away and hunt down the vermin and keep the rats from chewing and gnawing on their body parts. Leprosy would literally rot the body. People would lose fingers, toes, ears. They would lose their eyesight. They would become disfigured. I did some uh, image searches of leprosy on Google and the pictures were too gruesome to share. I thought about like throwing them up on the screen, but I think we would have lost our appetite. But if you are a visual learner, go ahead, open your phones, do an image search and uh, look it up. It is gruesome. It is terrifying. And Luke reminds us this leper was covered with leprosy. Like I mentioned in the ancient world, there was no cure for leprosy. The Jews said that it was as difficult to cure leprosy as it was to raise the dead. That's how the Jews would talk about leprosy. It's as difficult to cure leprosy as it was to raise the dead. So they were literally called the living dead. They were literally considered the walking dead. So what did Israel do? When people had leprosy, when their family members, friends caught leprosy, this bacterial disease, what did Israel do? They created barriers to keep them from spreading. It was quarantine. Leprosy, lepers were quarantined to different parts of the village, right? to different cities and areas, to different colonies. If you read Leviticus 13 to 14, it reads like a mixture of dermatology and priestly regulations. To the Jews, there was both a physical understanding, a medicinal understanding of leprosy, but also a spiritual interpretation of the disease. To the Jews, not only were lepers sick, 
They were considered unclean. Okay, let me say that again. If you were a leper in Jesus' day, you weren't just diseased and sick, you were considered unclean. Everything a leper touched was unclean. Listen to what Leviticus 13, 45 to 46 says about lepers. This is the word of God. The leprous person who has this, the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. That's what it means. You cover your mouth, just like we expect people to cover their mouths when they cough. They said, we don't even want to breathe the same air as a leper, but you better give us the heads up. We don't want to breathe your air. We don't want to catch your disease. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Brothers and sisters, this man who came to Jesus, he wasn't just sick. He wasn't just diseased, he was condemned. This was not just a description of his illness. This was a sentence, a condemnation. Lepers are unclean. Lepers shall live alone. Lepers shall live outside the camp. It was considered a divine punishment for sin. You see, the Jews saw lepers as that leprosy as an outward symbol of inward corruption an outward symbol of inward corruption. So everything a leper came into contact with was considered unclean. Their clothes, their homes, even if a leper touched a tree, that tree was considered unclean. Everywhere he went, he had to warn people to stay away, crying out, unclean, unclean. And they actually had different boundaries. If a leper was up, upwind, upwind from somebody, he had to stay at 100 cubits away. But if he, uh, yeah, but if he was downwind beneath you, only four cubits, because the wind was going to protect you from him. Generally speaking, it was expected to be 50 paces away. A leopard was expected to stay 50 paces away from another person. Imagine that. Imagine that. The thing you hated most about yourself, the thing that you are most ashamed of, the thing that causes you the most pain, you had to declare in public. You couldn't hide it. You couldn't conceal it. You had to announce it to everyone around you that this was your disease. This was your illness. This was your identity. Unclean, unclean, unclean. You see, leprosy not only robbed this man of his health, it did so much more. It robbed him of his name. He doesn't even have a name in this passage. We know Simon, Andrew, James, and John. This guy is just a leper. Robbed him of his name, his work, his family, his worship. He couldn't even enter into the temple and worship God because he was unclean. Robbed him of his community, his relationships, his entire identity. And rather than responding with compassion, his faith community responded with condemnation. Remember, leprosy, it's a divine punishment. So the Jews looked at lepers as people who got what they deserved. They were sinners who had broken the law and were now being punished. Friends, as heinous and evil as that seems, we in our generation, we're guilty of the same. Did we not treat people suffering of AIDS and HIV with the same heart, the same condemnation? 
people who did have a death sentence before them, people whose bodies were betraying them, unable to fight off diseases. And we looked at them and said, it's your fault. Maybe you're gay. Maybe you're a drug user. Maybe you didn't take care of yourself. It's your choices, your decisions that brought this upon you. We in our generation saw this same expression of condemnation. We didn't want to breathe their air. We didn't want to touch the same things. The same kind of phobia. We are guilty of the same. This was the life of the leper. But in our passage today, we see something amazing and bold. Even though the law required that this man was supposed to stay 50 paces away from others, 50 paces away from Jesus, this leper risks everything to meet him. He breaks the law. He breaks custom for the chance to be healed by Jesus. No obstacle, not even the Torah itself would prevent him from coming to Jesus. He was already a dead man, condemned and unclean. He had nothing to lose. So he goes to Jesus. He falls at his feet and he cries, if you are willing, make me clean. You can make me clean. And here we see an expression of faith. You see, the leper doesn't question Jesus' ability to heal him. You see that. He doesn't say, are you able? If you are able, would you please heal me? He knows that Jesus has the power to save He believes in his power. He believes in his ability. The only thing that matters is Jesus' willingness to save him. One commentator writes, the leper's longing is profoundly human, for it is not God's ability that we doubt, only his willingness, if he will do what we ask. Friends, doesn't that sound like us? For so many of you who have grown up in the church, grown up in the Christian faith, I think for us, we don't doubt the existence of God. Perhaps you don't doubt the power of God. What you doubt is whether God loves you, whether God will have mercy upon you, whether he actually is willing to forgive you for your sins. Not that Jesus can't forgive sin. The question is personal. Will he forgive you for what you've done? Is there redemption after all of your wandering offered to you? by God. You know your sins. You know that you are unworthy. You know that God has touched and healed and redeemed others. You just don't know if God will do that for you. That is your doubt. That is your struggle. That is your fear. But God's desire is to assuage your doubts. He wants to speak to you today, and he wants to remind you that he is gracious. He is compassionate. And he's not merely mighty to save, he's willing to save, okay? Our God is not just mighty to save, he's willing to save. He's not just able to forgive, he's willing and desiring to forgive you for your transgressions. And we see this in Jesus's response to the leper. Let's return to the text, verse 41. Jesus, and our version says, moved with pity. If you're reading the NIV, it says, moved with compassion. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will, I will be clean. And and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Church, the response of Jesus was even more scandalous than the leper's audacity to approach Jesus. You see, it took guts for the leper to break the law, to break the customs and go to Jesus. Jesus' response was even more scandalous. You see, a normal Jew would have seen the leper 
and would have cried out, unclean, you are unclean, pointed his finger and abandoned him in contempt, abandoned him wanting to save himself from that disease that was highly contagious. But Jesus responds with such beautiful compassion. Jesus turns to the leper. He stretches out his hand and he touches him. And he says, I will. I am willing to heal you. I am willing to acknowledge you. I am willing to love you. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. The numbness, the discoloration, perhaps hair and limbs, eyesight, whatever it might've been, those things immediately left him. He was restored and he was clean. Brothers and sisters, do you see in that moment when Jesus touched this leper, he was the one also breaking all the barriers that isolated the leper. You see, the leper was in quarantine, social quarantine, relational quarantine, religious quarantine, medical quarantine, but Jesus broke all of those barriers. And rather than Jesus becoming contaminated, rather than Jesus becoming unclean and corrupted by this leper, the leper is cleansed and healed by Jesus. What a reversal. It wasn't the leper's disease that Jesus caught. It was the other way around. The leper caught Jesus' holiness. The leper caught Jesus' purity, his health, his beauty, his goodness. The leper caught that because Jesus touched him. And it is not only Jesus' touch that reminds us that he loves us in a personal and intimate manner. His touch points us to the gospel. Kent Hughes, this wonderful pastor, he writes on this passage, the touch of Christ's pure hand on the rotting leper is a parable of the incarnation. Jesus in the incarnation, when God became flesh, when God became man, he took on flesh, became sin for us, and thus gave us his purity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was willing to touch the diseased, touch the outcast, touch this leper so that he could offer him life, healing, and his righteousness. This is the gospel, brothers and sisters. Now you and I, we may not have an outward disease such as leprosy, to condemn us and isolate us. But we all suffer from an inward disease of sin. This is something we all have, something we've all been plagued with. And it is sin that makes you unclean. It is sin that corrupts me, not just in the flesh, but in my soul and spirit as well. It is sin that causes us to be separated from fellowship with God. It is sin that renders our relationships dysfunctional and broken. It is sin that causes us to hate ourselves and makes us want to hide in shame. Sin is the disease that you and I all are struggling with. But the good news of Jesus Christ is this. He came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. He's come to take your sin. He's come to take your disease and offer you his righteousness. He's come to touch you, to see you, to speak to you, to acknowledge you, and to love you. And if you look to Christ, I believe it right now. If you look to Christ, if you believe today that he's not only able to forgive you and save you, but he's willing to do so. 
The offer of salvation is yours. The offer of forgiveness is yours. The offer of eternal life is yours. The joy of intimacy and relationship with him is yours. If you cry out to him in faith, the gift of the gospel is surely yours. That is the invitation for us today. Let's finish our passage. Not only is Jesus the compassionate healer, but he's also one who bears the cost of his compassion. After this miraculous healing, Jesus commands the man who has been cleansed to go and to show himself to the priests. Two commands, go and show yourself to the priests, show them you're clean. And this was all to abide and and, and be in line with the Mosaic law. That was the requirement. The priests would meet a leper and condemn them. And then if they were supposedly miraculously healed, the priests would examine and declare that they were clean. They They were the gatekeepers to a leper either going into condemnation or being pulled out of it. So Jesus says, go, go and show yourself to the priest that you are cleansed, that you are healed. Second command, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Two simple commands. The leper breaks both of them. The leper breaks both of them. How ironic. This guy's just been touched by Jesus, healed by Jesus, got what he was looking for. Boom, disobedience, right? Sounds just like us, right? Verse 45 tells us what happens. But he went out and he began, this is the leper, and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. He was ecstatic. I mean, he had leprosy all over his body and in a moment, in an instant, with a touch, he was healed and he just could not keep that to himself. He had to tell everyone, all of his neighbors, all of his friends, the entire village and community that he had been healed. And it causes such a frenzy that more people come. I'm sure more lepers were looking for him, more sick, more diseased. They wanted what he just got, that miracle, that healing, that experience. And so what happened? Jesus could no longer openly enter into a town, but instead he went out to desolate places and they were all pursuing him. Think about this. Where was the leper? Where was the leper before Jesus? He was alone. He couldn't live in the village. He couldn't live in Jerusalem. He couldn't live in the cities. He had to live outside the city, outside the gate, in complete isolation and desolation. Jesus touches him and he heals him and he saves him and he blesses him. The leper gets to go in. The leper gets in, into worship, into relationship, into community. He is accepted now, but something happens to Jesus. Jesus takes his place. And Jesus has to go out to desolate places. Jesus is the one on the outside. He's the one who can't travel freely to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Do you see, that's another picture of what Jesus does for us. He takes our place. You see, the cross isn't simply a place where Jesus died symbolically to defeat sin. The cross is a place where he took your place. He took your, he died the death that you deserve. He was an innocent Righteous man. Even the centurion looks at Jesus and says, surely this man was innocent. Surely this man was the son of God. 
The disciples traveled with him, lived him for lived with him for three years straight, and at the end, they all testify that Jesus Christ was sinless. He was righteous and perfect. He was sinless. He had no place to go, no place on that cross to die a sinner's death, but he did because he took our place. He took our place. Brothers and sisters, there's a cost to compassion. Jesus sees your suffering. He sees your hurt. He sees your sin. He sees your destitution. And he doesn't just kiss it to make it better. He doesn't just speak words and say, you are forgiven. He goes to the cross because he knows that there's a penalty. There's a payment required for our sin, for our disease, for our transgression. And he makes the payment in full as he dies on the cross in our place. There is a cost to the compassionate saving work of Christ. He bears that cross. We see it in this passage. He's out in desolation. He is outside the camp where that leper was. Brothers and sisters, do you believe? Do you see what a wonderful savior this is? Do you see how much he loves his people? Do you see the extent of his compassion? Will you receive it today? Will you believe it today? You see that leper, he came to an end of himself. He knew he couldn't do anything. He'd gone to all the doctors, all the priests, all the help, he he sought out all the help he possibly could to no avail. He knew Jesus was his only answer. Would that be you? Would you come to an end of yourself? Would we stop trying to heal ourselves, save ourselves, redeem ourselves, purify ourselves? Would you realize that only Jesus Christ is able to wash you. Only Jesus Christ is able to heal you. Final application. It is not enough for us to simply adore Jesus and thank him for his compassion. If you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, we're to join him and extend the same compassion he offered to us, to those who are hurting, to those who are on the outskirts, to those who are wounded, to those who are in isolation. There are people that God has placed in your life where you have a unique, special opportunity to extend this Christ-like redeeming and renewing compassion towards them. Would you consider them right now in your heart? Would you say, Lord, who are you leading me to in terms of prayer, friendship, ministry, and service? Would you understand that if you have received the compassion of Christ, we are called to extend the peace and compassion of Christ to others. But the warning is this, there is a cost. You will feel the burden. And that's, that's the reality. If they are hurting, if they are in, lo- in depression, in loneliness, it's not enough to just send them a couple like social media likes and hearts on Instagram and smiley faces. It means you need to carve out time and be with them, to weep with them, to grieve with them, to hold their hands and do life together with them. That's the reality. If we want to be a compassionate people, we must count the cost. Know that there is a burden, but know that there is joy. What greater expression of love can we give than to lead people to Christ, to convince people that Jesus Christ has loved them to the point of death and that Jesus Christ offers grace, life, and healing in this life and in the, life, in the next life to come. Let's make that our prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
I pray that right now, by your Holy Spirit, you would do two things in our hearts. First, would you convince us again? Would you convict us again that you are our compassionate God who has loved us with a scandalous love? You have loved us with an intimate love and help us, Lord, to receive that love right now. To, de- to believe that you are a God who takes our shame. You are a God who is able to restore us and unshackle us from the burden and pain of sin and death. The second thing I ask, Lord, is for you to invite us in following you and imitating you. God, would you make us a people of compassion? Would you help us to be a church that models the gospel to the dark places of this world, to those who are weak and in destitution? Make us sensitive to those who are hurting, that we might extend true grace true love and true hope, not found in ourselves or anything in this world, but found in Christ and Christ alone. We thank you in Jesus' name I pray, amen.